Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to Buffalo Shots Podcast. Hello again and welcome to another Horror Shots Podcast with me, Casey. Once again, we are going to be taking a look at the personifications of death in various cultures around the world. So that includes anything from what we looked at last week, the Greeks or the Hellenic. We're going to look at the Celtic. We're going to look at Latin America. And today we're going to look at the Celtic religion and culture in the ways of death and how it was personified in their societies. But before that, as always, we do have some housekeeping to get out of the way, don't we? Yes, of course, if you want to contact me in any way, shape, or form, you are more than welcome to. Not only are you welcome to, you're encouraged to. I really want to hear from anybody who's listening out there in Radio Land, or the internet, wherever. First and foremost, you can check out my website at horrorshots.com. There you can check out some uh, blog articles. We have some pictures. We have the podcast. We have a store. We have a shop, whatever you want to call it. We have a whole bunch of stuff up there. So go check it out. Uh, There's also merchandise. Never really mentioned that before, but I do have hats and t-shirts and anything like that with the HS Horror Shots logo on it. If you're interested, send me a DM or an email or whatever, and uh, I can set you up with that. I do still have Instagram, naturally, and that is at Horror Shots Photography. There is also Twitter at Horror Shots Pod, that's on Twitter there, or Facebook at facebook.com slash horror shots. Any one of those places you can contact me at, and I would love to hear from you and get some feedback. And of course, there is still Patreon. If you are feeling generous, you're more than welcome to donate to the cause and uh, help me out in any way, shape, or form. Like I said in uh, a previous podcast, I don't really like mentioning Patreon at the beginning of a cast, but I feel it might get lost at the end, and it's no obligation to you, absolutely not. There's tons of great rewards for various perks on there, uh, various tiers of donations or whatever they call it, but absolutely, you do not have to. It's just if you are feeling generous and kind, you're more than welcome to. But other than that, I think that is everything out of the way for today in terms of The boring stuff. So how about we get into some of the fun stuff. Fun as in death. Because death is fun. Yeah, maybe not. But talking about it and looking at different cultures and how they represent death in their societies is kind of fun and interesting, at least in my opinion. So today, like I said, we are going to look at the Celtic sort of society and their personifications of death. So that includes Welsh. Irish, and Scottish. Breton folklore, also known as Celtic folklore, because the Bretons are a form of the Celts, shows a spectral figure portending death, the Ancow. Usually the Ancow was the spirit of the last person that died within the community and appears as a tall, haggard figure with a wide hat and long white hair or a skeleton with a revolving head who sees everyone everywhere. The Ancow drives a deathly wagon or cart with a creaking axle. 
The cart or wagon is piled high with corpses, and a stop at a cabin means instant death for those inside. So before we continue on any further, let's take a look at the Ankau. One of the earlier sort of representations of the Ankau is reported in Anatoly Lebras, a 19th century writer and collector of legends. Here is what he wrote about the Ankau in his bestseller, The Legend of Death. The Ankau is the henchman of death, and he is also known as the graveyard watcher. They said he protects the graveyard and the souls around it for some unknown reason, and he collects the lost souls on his land. The last dead of the year in each parish becomes the Ankau of his parish for all of the following year. When there has been, in a year, more deaths than usual, one says about the Ankau, Oh my faith, this one is a nasty Ankau. There are many tales involving Ankau, who appears a man or skeleton wearing a cloak and wielding a scythe. And in some stories, he is described as a shadow, often atop a cart for collecting the dead. He is said to wear a black robe with a large hat that conceals his face. According to some, he was the first child of Adam and Eve. Other versions have it as the Ankau is the first dead person of the year, though he is always depicted as an adult and male, and he is charged with collecting the souls of the others before he can go to the afterlife. He is said to drive a large black coach pulled by four black horses, accompanied by two ghostly figures on foot. One tale suggests that they were three drunk friends walking home one night when they came across an old man on a rickety cart. Two of the men started shouting at the end cow and then throwing stones. When they broke the axle of his cart, they ran off. The third friend felt bad, and wanting to help the Ankau, found a branch to replace the broken axle, and then gave the Ankau shoelaces, which he used to tie to the cart. The next morning, the two friends were throwing stones at the Ankau were dead, while the one who stayed to help only had his hair turned white. He would never speak of how it happened. Now, there's no reference or citation for that story, but I thought it was interesting enough to kind of throw in there. It's very creative, at the very least. Another origin story is that the Ankau was once a cruel prince who met death during a hunting trip and challenged him to see who could kill a black stag first. Death won the contest and the prince was cursed to roam the earth as a ghoul for all eternity. The Ankau has also appeared in several subcultures throughout the Britain Isles, as you may want to call it, and it goes as such. Every parish in Brittany is said to have its own Ankau. In Breton tradition, the Squealing of a railway wheels outside of one's home is supposed to be the cargal and ankul, or the wheelbarrow of Ankau. Similarly, the cry of the owl is referred to as labos and Ankau, or the death bird. The Ankau is also found in the baptismal font at Le Martyr, where he is shown holding a human head. In Ireland, the proverb, when the Ankau comes, he will not go away empty relates to the legend that if he stops somewhere, somebody dies. That is just one of the personifications of the Celtic folklore of death. Next up we have Ireland, where there was a creature known as the Doolahan, whose head would be tucked under his or her arm. It's important to note that Doolahans were not one, but an entire species. And it was said that the head had very large eyes and a smile that could reach the head's ears. The Doolahan would ride a black horse or a carriage pulled by black horses 
and stop at the house of someone who was about to die and call their name, and upon calling their name, the person would immediately die. The Dullahan did not like being watched, and it was believed that if a Dullahan knew someone was watching them, they would lash that person's eyes with their whip, which was made from a spine, or they would toss a basin of blood on the person, which was a sign that the person was next to die. This next bit is from irishculturesandcustoms.com, and this article was written by Bridget Haggerty, and it goes as such. It is said that after sunset on certain festivals and feast days, one of the most terrifying creatures in the spirit world, the Dullahan, can be seen riding a magnificent black stallion across the countryside. Wherever he stops, a mortal dies. Clad in flowing black robes, the Dullahan has no head on his shoulders. He carries it with him in his hands. And, because he's endowed with supernatural sight, he will hold the head up high. This allows him to see great distances, even on the darkest nights. But beware watching him pass by. You'll be punished by either having a bucket of blood thrown in your face, or you might be struck blind in one eye. The biggest fear of all, however, is if he stops, wherever you are, and calls your name, you die. This will draw your soul out, and you'll no longer be among the living. Unlike the Banshee, which is known to warn of an imminent death in certain families, the Dullahan does not come to warn. He is a definite harbinger of someone's demise, and there exists no defense against him, except, perhaps, an object made of gold. For some reason, the Dullahan has an irrational fear of gold, and even a tiny amount may be enough to frighten him off. One story from Galway says that a man was on his way home when all of a sudden he heard the sound of a horse pounding along the road behind him. In dread, he turned and looked. It was the Dullahan. He tried to run, but nothing can outrun the Angel of Death. Then the man remembered that if he couldn't outrun him, he could outsmart him. With that, he dropped a gold coin on the road. There was a loud roar in the air, high above him, and when he turned to look back, the Dullahan was gone. While no one knows for certain how the Dullahan originated, it is thought that he is the embodiment of the Celtic fertility god, Crom Dubin, who was worshipped by an ancient king of Ireland, Tigermoss. Each year, Tigermoss sacrificed humans to Crom Dubin, and the usual method was decapitation. The worship of Crom Dubin ended in the 6th century when Christianity came to Ireland, and the old sacrificial traditions went out of favor. But Crom Doom was not to be easily forgotten, for it's said that he then took on a physical form, the headless Dullahan, which in turn means Dark Man, riding his mighty charger and using a human spine for a whip. And, while this was the way he is most often described, in some parts of Ireland, he drives a black coach, drawn by a team of six black horses. They travel so fast that the friction from their hooves is said to set the hedges on fire along the sides of the road. And no matter how firmly they are locked, all gates fly open to let the Dullahan through. Now that uh, whole Dullahan thing may sound very familiar. If you're familiar at all with American folklore or Disney movies, or television, or movies in general, you may have heard of the Headless Horseman and Ichabod Crane and all that kind of fun stuff in Sleepy Hollow. I think it's pretty safe to say that the Headless Horseman myth or legend does stem 
from the Doolahan. Now, the Doolahan isn't the only spirit in Ireland that is associated with death. Now, we just mentioned one in the last article, and that happened to be a female spirit known as the Banshee. The Banshee is one who heralds the death of a person, usually by shrieking or keening. The Banshee is often described in Gaelic lore as wearing red or green, usually with long, disheveled hair. She can appear in a variety of forms. Perhaps most often she is seen as an ugly, frightful hag, but she can also appear as a young and beautiful woman if she chooses. In Ireland and parts of Scotland, a traditional part of mourning is the keening woman, who wails a lament. In Irish, caunade, cowan meaning to weep or wail. When several banshees appear at once, it indicates the death of someone great or holy. The tales sometimes recounted that the woman, though called a fairy, was a ghost, often of a specific murdered woman or mother who died in childbirth. The banshee is also referred to as a fairy woman in Irish mythology, who heralds the death of a family member, usually by wailing, shrieking, or keening. Her name is connected to the mythologically important tumuli, or mounds, that dot the Irish countryside, which are known as side in Old Irish. The description of the banshee varies from person to person and culture to culture and society to society. There are many varying descriptions of the banshee. Sometimes she has long, streaming hair and wears a gray cloak over a green dress, and her eyes are red from continual weeping. She may be dressed in white with red hair and a ghastly complexion. That's according to Anne, Lady Fanshawe, in her memoirs. Lady Wilde, in Ancient Legends of Ireland, provides another description. Sometimes the banshee assumes the form of some sweet singing virgin of the family who died young, and has been given the mission by the invisible powers to become the harbinger of coming doom to her mortal kindred. Or she may be seen at night as a shrouded woman crouched beneath the trees, lamenting with a veiled face or flying past in the moonlight, crying bitterly. And the cry of this spirit is mournful beyond all other sounds on earth, and betokens certain death to some member of the family whenever she is heard in the silence of night. The size of the banshee is another physical feature that differs between regional accounts. Though some accounts of her standing unnaturally tall are recorded, the majority of the tales describe her height as short, anywhere between one and four feet. Her exceptional shortness often goes alongside the description of her as an old woman, though it may also be interpreted to emphasize her state as a fairy creature. In Ireland and parts of Scotland, a traditional part of mourning is the keening woman, who wails a lament in Irish. This keening woman may in some cases be a professional, and the best keeners would be in high demand. Irish legend speaks of a lament being sung by a fairy woman or banshee. She would sing it when a family member died or was about to die, even if that person had died far away and news of their death had not yet come. In those cases, her wailing would be first a warning to the household of the death. The Banshee is also a predictor of death. If someone is about to enter a situation where it is unlikely they will come out alive, she will warn people by screaming or wailing, giving rise to a Banshee also being known as a wailing woman. It is also often stated that the Banshee laments only the descendants of pure Malaysian stock of Ireland. 
sometimes clarified as surnames prefixed with O and Mac, and some accounts even state that each family has its own banshee. One account, however, also included the Geraldines, as they apparently became more Irish than the Irish themselves. Countering the lore, ascribing banshees exclusively to those of Malaysian stock. When several banshees appear at once, it indicates the death of someone great or holy, as we've mentioned before. The tale sometimes recounted that the woman, though called a fairy, was a ghost, often of a specific murdered woman or a mother who died in childbirth. The origin of the banshee is also something quite interesting. Most, though not all, surnames associated with the banshee have the O or Mick or Mac prefix, that is, surnames of Godlik origin, indicating a family native to the insular Celtic lands rather than those of the Norse, English, or Norman invaders. Accounts reach back as far as 1380 to the publication of Triumphs of Turlow by Sean McCrath. Mentions of banshees can also be found in Norman literature of that time. The Ua Brienne banshee is thought to be named Ibel, under the ruler of 25 other banshees who would always be at her attendance. It is possible that this particular story is the source of the idea that the wailing of numerous banshees signifies the death of a great person. In some parts of Leinster, she is referred to as the Ban Shaunite, or Keening Woman, whose wail can be so piercing that it shatters glass. In Scottish folklore, a similar creature is known as the Bane Nye, or Little Washerwoman, and is seen washing the blood-stained clothes or armor of those who are about to die. In Welsh folklore, a similar creature is known as the Hag of the Mist. Now there's one last one I do want to touch on briefly before we call it a day here, and that's the Scottish hellhound, essentially, of Cusith, or Coin Sith, if it's plural. According to Scottish folklore, the Coo Sith is said to be the size of a young bull, with the appearance of a dog. Its fur is shaggy and usually cited as being dark green, though sometimes white. Its tail is described as being long and either coiled up or plated, in other words, braided. Its paws are described as being the width of a man's hand. The Coo Sith is thought to make its home in the clefts of the rocks in the highlands and also to roam the moors and highlands. The Ku Sith was feared as a harbinger of death and would appear to bear away souls of a person to the afterlife, similar to the manner of the Grim Reaper. In this role, the Ku Sith holds in Scottish folklore is a function similar to that of the Banshee in Irish folklore. According to legend, the creature was capable of hunting silently, but would occasionally let out three terrifying barks, and only three that could be heard for miles by those listening for it, even far out at sea. Those who hear the barking of the Kusith must reach safety by the third bark, or be overcome with terror to the point of death. It is also said that the bang was a warning to lock up nursing women, lest the beast abduct them and take them to a fairy mound. Now that brings us to the end of our look at the Celtic personifications of death. I hope you found it as fascinating as I did. I always love looking into this, as you probably well know by now. Next week, I will continue on with a nether region. I can't guarantee what it'll be. I kind of pick it at random, just to keep everybody kind of interested, including myself. 
because I have something set up, then I'll be like, eh, maybe I don't want to do that, but I already said I'm going to do it, so I kind of leave it till the last minute and pick whichever one is kind of tickling my fancy that day. As always, thanks for listening, and as always, leave a review if you did enjoy what you heard. Sometimes I forget to mention that, but reviews are super important for little podcasters like myself. It helps us pop up on searches and become a little more well-known and grow our listenership. Because who doesn't want a nice community surrounded by horror people? We're all like-minded, and we all enjoy a good scare and laugh once in a while. So again, leave a review if you like it. Even if you don't, honest reviews are always good. I prefer five stars, but if you only want to give me two, by all means, do what you have to do. Also, sharing the podcast is super helpful as well. Letting your friends know, sharing it on your Facebook or your Twitter or Instagram, wherever you do your social media stuff, any circles you have, feel free. The more the merrier. So until next week, when we look at death some more.